been talking about the future, as you know, um, because the Lord does. So much of the Bible tells us about things to come, and so we ought to conclude it's important for us to do the best we could, at least to identify the significant mountain peaks in God's prophetic mountain range. That's what we've been doing. And so tonight the mountains are back. And we spoke about the rapture, which is the next event on the horizon. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's you right there. That is really good. Could happen at any time, and that's good. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and thus be with him forever. Following it is the judgment seat. If you're a Christian, don't get too nervous about it. Here we're not judged for our sin. Oh no, that's a done deal. The Lord's already been judged for our sin. Here, uh, there'll be a time in which the Lord will disseminate rewards. We don't know exactly the form they'll take. We just know it's going to happen. With regard to our deeds in the body, how did we use our gifts, our time, our talents? In the time the Lord has given us. That's the judgment seat. And then we spoke about this character, the Antichrist. Not a concept, but an actual person, a human. And we spoke about him at some great length, which led us into this horrific period of time known as the tribulation. And we've been camping out here for a number of weeks. It's a seven-year period, which is characterized by the outpouring of God's wrath on a sin-sick, corrupted world under the leadership of Antichrist. Don't get nervous. If you're a Christian, you won't be there. Because remember, this is you right here, the rapture. And this is the outpouring of God's wrath. But you will not receive God's wrath if you're a Christian because your Savior has borne the penalty for you. And we spoke about the fact that under the leadership of Antichrist in the future, in this tribulation period of time, there will be globalism on three particular fronts. Global government, global religion, that's what we spoke about last week, and global economy, and that's what we'll talk about tonight. One world, global economy, that will characterize this tribulation period, and I'll show you we are already rapidly moving in that direction. Experts say there are three main causes for war. Nobody likes war, so people study it so as to try to avoid it. And so experts uh, have identified three catalysts, causes for war, and one has to do with political conflict, and another has to do with religious conflict, and a third has to do with economic conflict. And so the thinking of experts is that if we could have one world government, one world government, 
religion and a one world economy, we will have succeeded in removing all of the causes of war. And we, therefore, in our own strength, can usher in an eternal period of peace. And if you want to believe in Jesus, so they say, that's your business. But we don't need him to make peace because we can globalize and do it ourselves. And so you're going to hear a lot of vocabulary and thinking along the lines of one world and citizen of the world and, you know, all this kind of stuff, which is not inherently bad. It's only bad when one labors under the misconception that in our own efforts at harmony... We can get it together and save the world. Well, history has proven there's something in us that keeps us from getting together. And the Bible has solved the mystery. It calls it sin. And it wages war in our members. And that's the problem. That's the fundamental problem of the world, sin. So anyway, in the end times, there will be global economy under the leadership of this character called the Antichrist, this uh, rather charismatic world leader. He will promote and inaugurate a one-world global economic system which will function during the tribulation period. How will he do it? Well, the key to the Antichrist's economic control will be a mark. And it will be a mark that everyone will be required to have in order to buy or sell anything. That doesn't sound like a big problem, except that the only way to receive this rather mysterious mark is to give your worship to the Antichrist. That's all you got to do. It's not asking too much, is it? And so if you want to survive economically in this day, you've got to give your worship not to the real Christ, but to the anti-Christ. Well, we read about this whole thing in Revelation chapter 13. Let's take a look. Revelation 13, here's verse 16. And he, that's the anti-Christ, causes all its global folks the small and the great, the rich and the poor, the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. See, so we're not making this up. That's where we're reading about the mark of the Antichrist. Verse 17, and he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark. Either the name of the beast or the number of his name. And then verse 18, here is wisdom. I want to be wise, don't you? Well, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding. I want to have understanding, don't you? Well, let him who is wise, let him who has understanding, let him calculate the number of the beast. Remember I told you not a literal beast, but a beastly human? That's the Antichrist. Let him calculate the number of the beast, the Antichrist, for the number is that of a man. And his number is 666, the dreaded 666. 
Lots of attention. Hollywood makes movies about it. People speculate like crazy about what it means. All kinds of fears, even phobias associated with... You know, there was a time when ancient people believed uh, that this was a reference to a particular year, namely uh, 666 A.D. And many people believed that that was going to be the year when the Antichrist would come onto the world scene and cause a lot of problems. Well, 666 A.D. kind of came and went and... No big-time event kind of happened. So they revised the deal and said, we must have miscalculated, and so it must be 1,666. And so people for centuries lived in fear uh, of that particular year. Lots of speculation about what it means. In fact, uh, there are uh, so many people, in fact, a growing number, who are so fearful of the number 666 uh, that... Uh, psychologists have actually diagnosed a condition and came up with a new diagnostic label for intense phobic fear uh, uh, with regard to the number 666, and there it is. I, I'm not making it Say it with me. Yeah. Look at it. Hexacosioi hexaconta hexaphobiacs. Yeah, baby. So, I mean it, not making it up. We only speak the truth here most of the time. An intense phobic fear of the number. For instance, when President and Mrs. Reagan moved out to California, bought a house out there many years ago, you know what their address was? Yeah, 666. Well, they were so freaked out about the whole deal that they changed it to 668. I'm not lying to you. So if 666 is the Antichrist, I guess 668 is like the neighbor of the Antichrist. (laughs) Something like that. Whenever there's a piece of legislation passed by a body like the United Nations or the Congress of the United States, if it happens to bear the number, Bill number 666, every prophecy enthusiast in the world goes crazy and man they read that legislation looking for cues as to the identity of the antichrist so do you have a computer are you online use the internet you know what the www thing stands for you world wide web way to go so here this is interesting Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet, also has a numerical equivalent associated with it. Each Hebrew letter is also a number. And you know where I'm going? So, um, in Hebrew, what do you think WWW comes out to be? Hexagon 666, I'm telling you. Go home. And get rid of your computers immediately. (laughs) I shall help you bring them to me. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's www, computes to six. So, you know, I, I mentioned to you that Hebrew has this numerical equivalent. So does Greek. So the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet is Aleph. That's number one. And the first letter in the Greek alphabet is 
alpha. That's number one. Next letter, two and three, so on and so forth. And so you can see how that has just made people go crazy, taking people's names and doing intricate calculations to see if it totals 666. Like if it's 665, that would be like the older brother of Antichrist, wouldn't it? (laughs) If my calculations are... So that's what people do. In fact, just to show you the numerical equivalent thing, there was an inscription found in ancient Pompeii, and this is what it said. I love her whose number is 545. Uh, This lovebird, I guess, didn't want to spell out her name or something. Maybe his parents didn't approve, so he just used the equivalent of her number. Look at that. Isn't that romantic? I love her, whose numbers, oh, 545. I just go wild. Some calculators uh, have concluded, based upon this numerical equivalency to Hebrew and Greek letters and all that other kind of stuff, um, that the Antichrist, uh, when you look to the letters in people's names, have been like a whole variety of Roman uh, emperors, Nero, Caligula, Titus, uh, even folks like Hitler, uh, Mussolini, uh, Idi Amin, remember him? Uh, Bill Gates, <laughs> Prince Charles, and uh, Chuck Schneider. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm speaking. Did we this? So, see, here's the deal. I'm glad you're laughing, and I'll tell you why. I don't think this is what God wants us to do. I don't think that's what he meant when he told the Apostle John what he did in the book of Revelation. I I, I don't think he's telling us this is how you will identify who the Antichrist is by doing all these mathematical calculations, all this weird stuff. I don't think he wants us to speculate and be guessing and all this... (laughs) I don't think that's what God meant. Look again to Revelation 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. See the word calculate? It's in Greek, and in truth it does mean to count or to compute, but it could also mean simply to observe, to evaluate, to notice. And so I think God, to the Apostle John, is simply saying, Hey, do you want to be wise? Don't go wild over the number 666. Don't don't give it more power than you ought to. Don't spend your lives speculating about who it might be by doing intricate mathematical calculations in the reserve only of an esoteric few. You know, what kind of God is it who keeps these things from his own people and then reveals it to mathematicians or something? Come on. That's not what the Father is like. And so I think this simply means if you have wisdom and if you want understanding, just observe the number and its significance. Here is wisdom, says John, exercise discernment in evaluating and observing the spiritual meaning of the number of the beast. 
So what is the spiritual meaning? Well, you don't have to speculate because we're told right there in Revelation 13, 18, John says this number is that of a man. Well, what does that mean? In Scripture, did you know six is the number of man? You know why? Man was created on the sixth day of creation. And do you know in Scripture, seven is the number associated with God? Why? It's the number of completion, fullness, and perfection. Because God finished his creative work on the seventh day, and he stood back like an artist admiring his creation, and he said, hmm, it's very good. It's a perfect seven. Made by a perfect seven. So in Scripture, six is the number of man. Seven is the number associated with God who is perfect. The point being this, and it's simple. Six falls short of seven. You get it? Look no further. Six falls short. You got lots of free time now on your hand. You do not have to labor over this anymore. Six falls short of seven. So you got to know. The Antichrist claims, will claim to be God. But he's not. He falls short. He is not God. He is only man. The three sixes may be an allusion to a counterfeit trinity. Satan a counterfeit of God, the Father. Antichrist, a counterfeit of God, the Son. False prophet, an a parody or a counterfeit of God, the Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity. I don't care about the unholy trinity, whatever gyrations you do with those three pretenders to the throne. They still ain't nothing more but 666. They'll never be the perfect seven. They're a parody. They're a counterfeit. They fall short. This is the number of man. Don't confuse man with Almighty God. 666 never can be set, folks. Six, 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 and add as many sixes as you want. Six to the tenth power, whatever makes it a lot of sixes, is still short of seven. Don't you see? That's the meaning of it all, it seems to me. Six can never be seven. It always falls short. And so six, six, six means this. It means missing the mark. It means failure. It means incompleteness. Seven means perfection. Seven means victory. Satan seeks to be like the perfect seven. Do you remember when he said in the Bible, I'll make myself like the most high God. Remember that? He longs to be the perfect seven, but I tell you, he's failed. He's at best six, six, six. Failure upon failure upon failure. Don't worship the anti-Christ worship the true Christ, no matter what the cost. The perfect seven, interestingly, who is God, invites worship. And yet the 666, the anti-Christ who is not God, 
He mandates worship. You see it? God invites it. You have free will. You choose to be a follower of the Lord Jesus or not. But the Antichrist gives you no such option. He will mandate it, particularly during this time of great tribulation. And so the purpose of this mark, the mark of the beast, will be to compel worship of himself in order to function economically. Look again at Revelation thirteen seventeen, And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So refusing this mark in that day of tribulation means you're someone who has surrendered your heart to Jesus, not to the Antichrist. And if you're that person and caught unmarked by the beast, The penalty is death. And even if you escape that, it will be nearly impossible for you to stay alive during this time of tribulation because you won't be able to function economically without that mark. The Antichrist, you see, will control the world's markets because there will be a central banking system. Far-fetched? No. Already in Europe, even though Europe is made up of many individual countries without the euro, no matter whether you're from Spain or Germany, you're not functioning. One world banking system and to participate in it requires that one have the mark of the beast. You see, here's the point. In that day, hard currency will become obsolete. Cash won't be around. That shouldn't surprise you. Do you know many banks and world governments have been working on eliminating cash transactions for years already? In fact, you go to a place and tell them you want to pay for cash. They look at you like you're crazy. What do you mean cash? They hold it up to the light. It can't be real. If it's not plastic, what do you mean? So here's the deal. Money, did you know money is expensive to produce? And money can also be counterfeited? And you know what money really is good for? Drug trafficking. I mean, you don't use your debit card, right? (laughs) So people are saying, hey, let's get rid of all that stuff. It'll be cheaper. Uh, There won't won't be any counterfeiting. And and it won't be like money laundering. There's no money to launder. And you, folks, already today, am, am I wrong about this? Can't you already buy just about everything you need with your debit card? I even got one. My wife made me get one. These debit card things. Yeah. You can do anything with your debit. You can buy gas. You can buy groceries. You can go to McDonald's with your debit card. You can get your Big Mac with your debit card already. And now, listen, did you know there's something called smart cards? They're very popular in Europe already. And what that is, is it's a plastic card, but it's different than ours. It has like a small electronic contact in it or a radio wave. And so inside the card, the smart card, there's actually a very tiny computer 
That has in excess of one megabyte of memory. That's a lot of stuff on your smart card. So with a smart card, see, you'll be able to do all kinds of things you can't do with our magnetic stripe card that we have now. See, with smart cards, you can transfer money from your bank account into your card, so to speak. And it can be used to operate vending machines, to pay tolls. It can be used to purchase anything you need. So why carry cash? Hey, as soon as muggers figure out you got nothing, mugging will go down, right? So people are going to say, what's the downside for a cashless society? This is the way to go. And there's nothing inherently evil with that. It's the use to which it will be put that is something to really watch out for. Folks, we are moving quickly towards a cashless society which can be easily controlled, don't you see, by a world dictator. And the coming Antichrist will be such a dictator. And the technology is now in place for him to accomplish his evil plan of global economic control. See, one of the biggest problems with your uh, electronic little plastic card is the possibility of loss or theft. You know, you lose your credit card. I remember uh, when I was in church in Louisiana, um, a lady left her credit card in the ladies' room, you know, and someone gave it to me, and so I returned it to her, and I explained to her that you, you, you could use those bathrooms for free. You know, but anyway, she left it. So that's like a big problem if, if someone steals your credit or your debit card or something like that. But that problem, couldn't that problem be easily solved by simply inserting under the skin a kind of tiny electronic chip and implant? Now, you won't even hardly feel when it's in there. Do you know that's already being done with livestock all over the world? And now people can get their dogs with that chip, you know, so that if your dog runs away and you want to find that mongrel, you, I mean, it's got an electronic thing in it. So this chip can easily be inserted. We already have the technology under a person's skin. It won't infect them or anything like that. You, you, you will hardly know it's there, but scanners can pick it up. And so... What will happen is you, it can read your bank account. It can do all kinds of stuff. Do you know that that is already being strongly recommended by many in the banking industry? And the advantage of something like that, is, as you could see, is that you wouldn't have to figure out, oh, man, what do I do with my wallet? Where's my purse? I mean, it's there on your right hand or forehead. You see what I'm saying? And see what you'll be able to do? You'll be able to go home to your computer and just kind of wave your head in front of that baby <laughs> or your hand. And you can, do, you can do electronic transfers from money from your bank account into your head or whatever. I'm telling you, folks, the technology is here. You could pay your bills. You could, you know what? You could start your car. You don't need your key. And that's a good thing. You ladies are always losing your keys, aren't you? Not us. 
You won't need your key. You'll have your little deal. You just wave it in front of some sensor on your ignition. Ba ba boom. You're off and running, you see? All financial transactions can be handled electronically with your number. That's not far-fetched. Good night. Everything's already numbers, passwords, and all this other kind of stuff. Do you know when the Apostle John wrote this? This technology was not available. None of this stuff could take place when the Apostle John wrote this, but all of it is present technology. It's available to us today. Electronic funds transfer is very commonplace today. Most people here are probably paying their bills electronically already. You can have your paycheck deposited electronically and you can pay your bills electronically and you see the Antichrist, here's the deal, only has seven years to accomplish his evil deeds. Did you know that? He only has seven, a great tribulation period. Now, we're going to be finished with this eventually. Now, next week we're going to talk about Armageddon, which is the end of the tribulation. And then you'll love the next mountain peak. It's called the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we've got to get through the tribulation before we get there. But, 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 but here's the point. The Antichrist only has seven years to get stuff going. So I, I have to tell you, seven years is not enough to build the global, political, religious, and economic infrastructure to pull all this stuff off. And that's why these tendencies are already there. The infrastructure already exists for this kind of stuff. Don't you see it? He's not going to start from scratch at the beginning of the tribulation period. Don't you see we're already going that way? And so the infrastructure to make all this doable didn't exist, not only in John's day, to be honest with you, didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's astounding at how quickly there's advance in electronic technology. Today, the global economy, I have to tell you, is just one step away from being entirely cashless. It's not far-fetched. Everything about John's prophecy demands the existence of something like a global computer network. Welcome to the Internet, WWW. We're there, folks. So we need a global computer network tied into a global economy and overseen by a global governing body. And oh my goodness, it's around the corner and that's the infrastructure which the Antichrist will make use of to require that he be worshipped during the tribulation period. The mark! of this beast will be required. A mark. It's an impress. It's a, an impress made by a stamp. It's a, it's a brand. It's like a brand used on uh, slaves or, or cattle. And during the time of great tribulation, church is gone, has been raptured already. Salt and light has been withdrawn from the earth. It is the time of the outpouring of God's wrath. People 
who choose not to be bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ will be compelled to be slaves of the one who is not the Christ, the Antichrist, and will somehow bear the identifying mark of that slavery. Therefore, isn't it better to be unashamedly marked by the real Christ right now? Isn't it wiser to be unashamed to bear the scars of the crucified Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't it better to be able to come boldly before his throne characterized by grace to receive help for all you need instead of to be compelled to bow at the feet of a beastly human an imperfect 666. It isn't about coming to church. It's about being marked. Are you willing to be branded by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, precious is the flow. The mark of which has the power to make us white as snow, purified from sin, free from its power, penalty, and one day even from its presence. Dig in, my fellow marked ones, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day to get hot for the Lord Jesus, not lukewarm. Whose side are you on? There is no middle ground. Will you be branded and enslaved by the Antichrist? Or will you volunteer to follow the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he may lead? He's the one who matters most. He's the one who loves you most. He's the one who rose up from the dead. Nobody has duplicated that feat that's the vindication. That's the mark of the Father on the Son. That's the mark of the Father's approval on the Son. Behold, my risen Son, who rose up from the last enemy death. You can share in that victory if you're willing to die to self and accept the Lord Jesus as his Savior. I hope you're not scared. I hope instead you're terrified. I hope you're shaking in your boots. I hope you're envisioning what it would be like to be enslaved by a cruel taskmaster for seven years and then on into eternity. I hope you're terrified about living forever in a hellish atmosphere with the Antichrist because maybe that terror will drive you into the loving arms of the Lord Jesus Christ whose perfect love casts out terror come to me says he all who are terrified and I'll give you rest take my yoke take my mark upon you I'm gentle humble in heart you'll find rest for your souls if you don't belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell him you want to. 
Say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. Rescue me from sin and from this kind of future because I want to be hopeful about this kind of future. Those are the choices. You make the choice. Lord Jesus, in the power of your Holy Spirit, would you enable the right choice? Even in our midst tonight, amongst those who still yet do not know you, personally, relationally, in the power of your Spirit, which is greater than any, would you impress upon them how easy it is to take you as the bridge, the mediator between them and you. You, the perfect one who suffered and died for sin as a substitute and rose up from death to be resurrected and ascended, seated at the right hand of the Father and soon to return. Lord Jesus, I pray even now in the, pres- in the power of your spirit, you might so overwhelm the one, the two, the twenty who do not know you that they plead, come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, I am a sinner. I accept your pardon. Take up your abode in my life and free me from wrath of all kinds. Make me instead to be a son or a daughter who lives on with you eternally. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.